Exclusive live interviews. People, I think, have got that hunger back for hockey. Game highlights. Shot score! Jordan Everly set up by Taylor Hall. Expert analysis and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Terry Peranich Real Estate Team. Edmonton's number one real estate resource. Now... From the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers Radio. 630 Shed. Here's Scania down the middle, heading for the net. Wrist shot save, rebound, and somehow kept out by Cam Talbot. A lunging stop with the left glove, and the Flyers fail to tie it. Cam Talbot, the shutout tonight, 35 saves. On that one, he got a little bit of help from Lori Korpakoski, who deflected that puck on the way in. But Talbot, solid. The Oilers get four. Four-nothing, your final. And that was your save of the game for Armor Insurance, working today to protect your tomorrow. The Oilers have a three-game winning streak. They have back-to-back road wins for the first time since October 17th, 18th, when they beat Calgary and Vancouver. Thanks for tuning in. We're in the Cabela's Broadcast Center. Terry Peranich, real estate team overtime open line, along with former Pittsburgh Penguin, therefore an enemy of the Philadelphia Flyers, Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Well, Rob, the uh, we'll start with the Talbot story tonight because over the last five games, 174 shots, he has stopped 168. Uh, it's been a special streak right now for for Cam Talbot. He's playing so well. This team was embarrassed on home ice. Uh, lashed out by the coach, the general manager, booed off the ice. They needed something to change, and it came on a road trip where you didn't think good things were going to happen. They go to to Anaheim and to L.A., and and in those games, Cam Talbot stood on his head, gave them a chance to win, and he's continued it. Uh, I I don't know if there's... I mean, there was that one save that you just played there where the the rebound came out and he had to dive across, got some help from Corpacosti, but he looked so comfortable in there. He's not diving around. He's not lunging. Pucks that are coming into him, he's smothering. He's taking them in the belly, and there's no rebound. Uh, he looks he looks confident. And the, the players playing in front of him look confident with him back there. And for so many seasons here, over the last few, the Oilers have not had the confidence in their goaltenders to make the saves when they had to. And tonight it was a 4 nothing win. But in the second period, there was a number of opportunities for the Philadelphia Flyers to tie this game as they were taking charge. And Talbot kept turning it aside, turning it aside. Eventually, the Oilers got the break they needed and took the 2 nothing lead. But Cam Talbot, I thought, is as good a 4 nothing game as this was for the team. I thought Cam Talbot still was the story. Well, and you make a good point about just, just sort of looking solid. And you've referenced this before, and I really like the way you put it. Was it was it Barrasso that said, look, if i got to dive around and make a great save, I mean, good for me if I keep it out. But I screwed up. And when Talbot's yeah. playing playing well, and and he's been, I mean, even during that losing streak on home, I, I still didn't really think he was the problem. But when he's playing well, it just seems he's one of those goalies. So another shot into his into his belly, another shot he just casually catches. He gets to the right spot a split second ahead of time and makes it makes a good save. Well, I think it was you and I were talking, and it was you talked about Jonathan Quick when he makes a save on a certain breakaway and, and he's oh that was an easy save and Jonathan Quick would say well no 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 it wasn't easy I had to read where that, the guy with the puck was where the guy on the other side was which way the guy shot who it was I had to know my and it, all those things come into place in a split second for me to make a save that looks easy but it wasn't I think that's what you're seeing right now with Cam Talbot his anticipation is great 
He knows when the puck is going across where the guy is going to be, and he's already anticipated, and he's over there, and he's square to the shooter. That's the biggest thing is as a goaltender, if you're square to the shooter, it's hard for the shooter to find a spot. And Cam Talbot's doing a great job of that right now. Oilers win it 4 nothing over the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, you wondered if they were going to get a little bit of gravy at the end of the game and turn on the Japanese Village goal light. But uh, not quite. they got to score five or more in a game for us to activate that on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. Then you can print up a free appetizer coupon to Japanese Village, three locations downtown, south side and north side. 780-496-0063. We're going to get to some phone calls right away because we got some guys standing by. Just a, a bit of an aside here, Rob. You made a point. Eight minutes left. Cassian got a four-minute double minor for high sticking. Yep. If you were coaching the Philadelphia Flyers... I would have pulled my goalie. You're, you're, at that point, it was, I believe, 3 nothing. You're still 3 nothing. It was 3 nothing. You're down 3. You got eight minutes to go in the game. You have four-minute power play. Pull your goalie. You need you need to score on both sides of the power play. You already, at that point, were 0-5, for 5, I think, on the power play. Pull your goal and give yourself a better chance. Instead, they don't. Give up the shorthanded goal anyways, and the game is over. But to me, uh, it was a great opportunity right there to go six on four for four full minutes. Oilers finished their chances tonight, too. I mean, I thought, yep. I, I thought. I mean, I know Bob made the point about uh, the Oilers being better five on five. I, I wouldn't agree with that in the second period. Nope. I thought the Flyers controlled the second period. But but when the Oilers, couple chances in the second, I mean, really, the Maroon chance wasn't a grade A scoring chance. It was a good good rebound. The Hall chance was a grade A. They, they finished them. But you don't always, when you have an opportunity, especially on a rebound and somewhat, you have to be able to finish those. They're not always going to be grade A scoring chances, but to win hockey games, you got to capitalize on, on the ones where you're in front of that. You get two whacks at it. That's got to be. in Philadelphia, time and time again, had one, two, three whacks at pucks, and they came away with nothing. On the, the, the Taylor Hall goal, it was great speed. Drysaddle does a good job bothering the defenseman. He turns the puck over. And Hall, when Hall sees daylight, there's no one in the league that's going to catch him. Nobody. And a wonderful move. And uh, what I love about what he, he did tonight and, and Connor McDavid is they're taking the puck hard to the net even though they know there could be something bad on the end. And on, on Dick McDavid, he drives the net. And this is something we saw him get injured on earlier in the year, but it doesn't change his game. Taylor Hall's going full speed. He feels the slash coming across his legs. He finishes before crashing into the boards. The uh, willingness to go hard to the net is something that if you want to score goals, you, you have to be able to do. And tonight we saw that a couple times. And then on the, on the, when Yakupov goes to the blue paint, now uh, most players in the National Hockey League are going to go there, but he still did drive the net and followed up on McDavis. He didn't just stop and wait to see what happens. He went to the net, the puck's laying there, he puts the puck in the net. So the others going to the blue paint, I think was also a big difference in tonight's game. McDavid with 20 points since coming back from injury. The Oilers have scored 40 goals since he came back from injury. I'm no math major, but I'm thinking <laughs> he's in on half the goals. We have Rocket on the open line tonight. Rocket, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead, man. You know, uh, what, what always gets me when I phone in is that I listen to you guys and, and you you analyze the game and you totally take my focus off of what I want to talk about in the first place. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Don't say that too loud or 630 Chad is going to be calling you and having you take our jobs for half the price. But you know what? I agree with you 100% on several things, including Yakupov. That goal doesn't happen. I agree. McDavid makes the play, but what Neil Yakupov is learning and what he proved tonight and what he's trying to prove to the coaches is that if I go to the blue paint, I get that tap-in goal. 
And you, you take half a second away from that play, and you look at all the, the defensive sticks that were right around Neil Yakupov, he doesn't get that goal. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there was a guy that was coming right at the same time Yak got there a yeah. split second earlier. And if there he... Was like any hesitation, yeah. Any hesitation, Yakupov doesn't score. Exactly. So that, that, that to me, sends a message. Um, I also wanted to talk about Pat Maroon and the size and what an impact. Obviously, you guys talked about it already. What, you know, what how that just changes and 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 how i wanted to to relate that to guys um or or players making other players better that just doesn't happen on the first line with stars like mcdavid it happens with like you throw a guy like patrick maroon on a third line and he makes the other guys on that line better too so i think when you add one two three four line type players um, Maroon is going to make those other guys better, and that was proof tonight. Look at Kor- Korpakowski; he was a beneficiary of that. So that was another thing that I that I saw tonight that I wanted to bring up, and I uh, I wanted to get your comments on that and 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 how he was as well. Yeah, thanks, Rocket. No, he was very good. Uh, he used his his strength. He used his size. He he kept the puck away from each other or by the of the opposition by simply putting his body between the defender and the puck. He went behind the net twice on one shift, just looking for someone to pass to. No one there going to turn around because he knew that they couldn't get the puck away from him. The goalie staked out his territory in front of the net. No one was going to move him. He gets two whacks at the puck goes in the net. So I, I thought it was a, a great uh, first game for for Patrick Maroon. I'm sure there's a little extra incentive in it because he wants to prove himself. And he did. He he was very good tonight. And the Oilers need him to be that way on a consistent basis. And he's going to have the opportunity here in Edmonton to do that. He played 10-10. He gets three shots on goal. I'm going to name Patrick Maroon my fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Try the auction advantage. We have the selection. You set the price. Check out maauctions.com. Yeah, I agree. I thought he was very good. I think there's a number of players tonight that, that had strong games. It could have been Yakupov. This was a strong game for him. And one of the things, and you just mentioned, it was 10 minutes for, for Maroon. The great thing for the Oilers tonight, having the lead, and partly is because how many penalties they killed, but having the lead, they didn't have to tax their star players tonight. Going back-to-back games, uh, Taylor Hall only 14 minutes, Yakupov 12, Everly 11, Maroon 10. Um, Connor McDavid played more because he penalty killed a bit. Leon only 13, so a lot of the players that play the most minutes didn't have to play 18, 19, 20 minutes like usual, which will bode well for them tomorrow night in Columbus. Uh, another note, the Oilers, oddly enough, got decimated in the face-off circle tonight. 31% for the Oilers. McDavid was 27%. Latestu was 19%. He was 53 coming into the game. Lander was 28%. Hendricks was 33 uh, only Dreisaitl above 50. He went 7 for 13 for 54%. So sometimes the face-off stat can be a little overrated. Yeah, it, well, it can. But, I mean, it, I don't know if they got de- decimated by the Flyers or they simply got decimated by Claude Giroux, who was 25-6 and six in the center ice circle tonight as he was 81% on faces with face-offs, which shows you how good he is at that. He had a strong game, I thought played well, ended up minus 3. Sometimes things just don't go your way. Yeah, and he was 56.9 coming into tonight, so he's very good in the circle. Oilers win 4 nothing. We have Darcy, 780-496-0063. Hey, Darcy. Hey, I'd just uh, like to start with a comment. Uh, I noticed that there's a little bit of internal competition to keep their jobs. Um, 
Korpikovsky had to respond with a goal of his own just because Yakupov was pressuring him for that fourth-line winger spot. Well, on good teams, there's got to be competition. If, if there's competition, that means you've got players that are capable of playing higher up and they're pushing you. If you don't have competition, well, it can get stale. And, you, and you're sitting on the bench, well, you know, I had a bad shift, but that's all right. There's no one else that could do what I do. So the Oilers, and Peter Shirelli wants depth. And if you look at all the best teams in the National Hockey League, they have good depth. They have guys that can move up and down the lineup. I mean, an L.A. team that continues to uh, be great year after year, you know, Daryl Sutter, if he's not happy with someone in the first period, it doesn't matter if he's your best player or your worst player, he'll move him, and he'll put someone else up there. The Oilers, are, Todd McClellan, are now trying to get more bodies on their bench that are capable of playing in any position and pushing guys to be better. And I think that they're starting to get that. And I have a question. Uh, I, I missed some of the game, but um, Connor was going uh, well early in the first period. Um, did his uh, game tail off, or did Philadelphia do something special with him? Because it seemed like he, well, third period he was, wasn't on the ice much because of all the... Well, I think you just answered your question there. I think the, the Oilers killed... If you're looking at the time on ice, like um, Latestu played six minutes shorthanded, Lander five minutes shorthanded, uh, Hendricks six minutes short shorthanded. I mean, Connor eventually they did give him a little bit of penalty killing time, but Reed and I were talking when during the game when the Oilers were taking the penalties, they not only were giving the Flyers some momentum, but they were also their best players are sitting on the bench. Hall doesn't penalty kill. Everly doesn't penalty kill. Leon doesn't. And then Connor McDavid, who started so well, sits for a long, long time. And it's hard to come back after that. And the others, they, they just were shorthanded way too many times. And I'm sure Todd McClellan will uh, attest to that as well. Darcy, thanks for calling, man. Okay. 780-496-0063. Okay, we got a full board of calls, but we got to get in some spots here. Uh, Dwayne, you're up next. Craig, you're going to finish the play. Mike and Robin among the people on our list as well. We'll catch up on some text to 630-630. It is a 4 nothing win for the Oilers in Philly. It is a three-game winning streak for the Oilers. Terry Peranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. You're listening to the Terry Peranich team, overtime open line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Flyers look to clear, and now wide open high slot, a drive, and a save. Rebound off the pipe, rebound, score! Patrick Maroon in his first game as an Oiler has just made it 3-0 against the team that drafted him. Edmonton 3, Philadelphia zip! And the Oilers would go on to win 4 nothing. Hall, McDavid, and Korpakoski, or pardon me, Hall Yakupov. I'm so used to McDavid scoring. Hall Yakupov and Korpakoski also scoring for the Oilers. Talbot gets a 35-save shutout. Maroon, rebound chance off the crossbar, and then he stays with it and bats it in. Yeah, and once again, he's a big man that we saw earlier in the game where he couldn't get pushed off the puck. This one, he just staked his claim, just found an area in front of the net, planted himself there, and you just can't move him. And you look at the Flyers' defense, they don't have a lot of big and rugged. They got Gudas as the only one, and he tried earlier moving him. He couldn't, and that allowed him an extra whack at the puck. And he self-proclaims that he's got not bad hands for a big man, and we saw that in display tonight. Got a uh, good text here from Andrew in Sudbury who says, Claude Giroux had a good game both as a player and a ref tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was, uh, 
very vocal about what he thought was uh, a bad call by the referee, and all of a sudden, I think we went to commercial break, came back, and it was all leaving. I'm like, oh, it worked. You're not supposed to yell at the ref, yelling. but this time it worked. And he was yelling at Hall, yelling at Everly. He, he was angry that shift, he was. All right, we got a lot of uh, people on hold here, so we're going to get to as many of you as uh, we can. We're going to go to Dwayne, first of all, 780-496-0063. Hello, Dwayne. Hey. You know, I loved it. Even if they would have lost tonight, I love to see the. It's about time, you know. Like it looks like they got a heart transplant over the last few games. You know, I don't want to say I'm drinking the Kool Aid and I'm totally convinced yet, but uh, I don't know. It looks pretty good, and you know, I think Talbot was the first star definitely, and then Cassian and Maroon. You know, uh, it was just it was great. You know, you saw them in scrums you saw them pushing back and they weren't taking no crap off anybody it was about time you know well they finally got size in the lineup i mean it's one thing to push back before when you didn't have any sizes now you've got hammers you got guys you can put out there that are saying no more you're not doing this and and i tell you he's a skilled player uh, you, you always you like guys. Two more guys like that. Well, you, you do, uh, I, but you want to make sure the guys you get they can play. And right now, I mean, it's a very small sample size, but you believe that a Cassian and, and a Maroon can play, and that's what they need—big men that can play the game. Yeah, you know, you hear everybody saying that you know we're getting Bruinized. So if this is the way it is, I'm all for it. <laughs> well, I mean, the. All teams in the National Hockey League, especially teams on the outside, start looking at what teams are successful. For years, when New Jersey was winning, all of a sudden everyone went to a very defensive team. Years ago, when the Oilers were very highly skilled, everyone said, okay, we need to get highly skilled teams. Well, now, the last few years, there's a couple different models. There's the Chicago Blackhawk model of very talented hockey players and are very deep with good defense. And there's the LA Kings type model that are just big, strong, and they'll just beat you to death throughout the playoffs. The Boston Bruins, probably not as good as the L.A. Kings over the last number of years, but still very good. They were a lot like the L.A. Kings. And now we're seeing uh, Peter Shirelli, who came from Boston, saying, you know what, the style of game and the style of team that I want is big, physical, little nasty to play. They have skill. Boston Bruins have yep. Bergeron. They have Marchand. they got skilled players. But they also have guys that are with size that will not be pushed around. And, and all those teams you identified, Rob, also have skill and had the backbone of an excellent goaltender. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as much as people said New Jersey was a defensive team, and they often were, there was one of the years I think they were third in the league in goal scoring, one of the years they won the Cup, and they had Brodeur. Uh, L.A. has had Quick. Chicago has had Kane and Taves and Keith and Seabrook, who are all excellent players. Keith and Keith and uh, Seabrook weren't drafted as high as, as Kane mm-hmm. and Taves, so they were still in the first couple of rounds. And they got Crawford in that. And so that's what you hope is with the Oilers. The Oilers got extremely lucky to win the McDavid lottery. You put the proper support players around him, then that's where you hope this team is eventually going to go, and you hope that you have a goaltender who is at least you know above average. Uh, I mean, maybe you, you don't have to necessarily have an excellent goaltender, to be a really good team, but you have to have a at least above average goaltender. And I think we're getting that right now. I, it, yeah. It's still a small sample size. Oh, for sure, for sure. But we, we for this is the first time that since I've been doing the game in a long, long time where you feel confident that your goaltender will pl- play equal or outplay the goaltender on the opposite side. And we have not had that here in Edmonton for a long time. Oilers win 4 nothing. Craig is up. He's our finish-the-play contestant, so he's already won 50 bucks to Panda Hut Express. Craig, before we get to that, give us your thought on the game. 
Well, you know, we've been watching the Oilers for many years, and uh, every time that, you know, one of the stars would get a cheap shot, we would hear, well, you know, what do you want them to do? Take a penalty or, you know, uh, we just don't have those guys in the lineup. But I really feel like Torelli, like tonight when we saw Hall get cheap shot, like Maroon, who just came to the team, uh, right away stepped in. And then Cassian, it seems like he fed off of that and stepped in and, I feel like these new players that have come in, that it's just the instinct that they just, uh, like a wolf pack mentality, so to speak, that we've heard before, just just to do it rather than uh, to watch or force themselves to do it. And I think that really made a big difference tonight. And even Hall, like I, Hall in the scrum was getting feisty too and smiling. And, you know, I, I, I haven't seen that like ever before when they when they were playing. So. Well, I tell you, if for players like Hall or, or Everly or Yaprov or any skilled player that they have, it's much easier going into a scrum if you've got a Maroon or a Cassian or a Party or, or, or a Griba or one of those guys standing beside you. When you're a smaller, skilled player and you're trying to get ornery with someone and you look beside you and you got guys that are smaller than you on your side, it's like, ooh, yes. you know what, I'm going to turn, we'll get you with a power play goal instead. But you can be a little more feisty if you've got some guys that are there with you. And we saw that tonight. And it's it's something that the Oilers have needed, but you needed to have the right guys. You couldn't just have a, a Luke Gazdick out there, you know, riding shotgun who's not going to get more than three, four minutes a night. You need guys that are capable of playing. Because if you have, when a Luke Gazdick goes into those scrums, the other teams will laugh because they're not going to take a penalty with Luke because he's not going to play. But when a Cassian or a Maroon steps in there, well, now they're, it's, they're more engaged because, well, okay, this is a guy that actually plays. How do you chirp him because he's playing just as much as me? Craig, we want to get your finish the play in here. If you are correct, you qualify for the grand prize draw, $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. They're in Edmonton, Sherwood Park, Fort Saskatchewan, and Stony Plain. Love your ride with Integra Tire. Go ahead, Matthew. As we start the game with Connor McDavid controlling the draw and now flying in with Everly, feeds him backhander to Nye Neuver, rebound. Goal or no goal, and there should be a pretty big hint there off the top. Uh, goal? No, no. No, no goal. As we start the game with Connor McDavid controlling the draw and now flying in with Everly, feeds him backhander to Nye Neuver, rebound a backhander, Yakupov, and a save made for the second straight game. Oilers with tremendous pressure early. Good going, Craig. How to take Rob Brown's hint. Yes, just like last game, the Oilers had a chance in the first 25 seconds. Unlike last game, they did not score. Craig, you win. All right, the Oilers win. 4 nothing. a lot to talk about. Mike, Robin, Raymond, and Drew, you are all up next on the phone lines. We'll uh, get to as many text messages as we can as well. Overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, courtesy of the Terry Peranich Real Estate Team. Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Peranich Team Overtime Open Line. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Simmons shoots, and that was deflected high and wide. Rebound Maroon. Battles for puck control. And it's swung free by Goss the Spear. Back to the point. Had it taken off his stick. And here comes Taylor Hall. It's a breakaway for Hall. A wrist shot. Score! 2 nothing. Edmonton. Hall crashes in face first. But he's able to extend the lead to 2 for the Edmonton Oilers. His 21st of the year. Time 14-22. Patrick Maroon would score less than 2 minutes later. Korpakoski adding a shorthanded goal in the third. Yakupov had a goal in the first period. 
Talbot makes 35 saves. The Oilers win 4 nothing. By the way, career against the Flyers, Cam Talbot is now 3-2 and two with three shutouts. Apparently they didn't score much in those other two games for him. <laughs> He was good tonight. He deserved the shutout. It was a it was a, a well played game by Cam Talbot, and especially a, a well played game by the Oilers penalty killers. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, with you. Our open line number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have post game reaction coming up right away too. But we have Mike on line three. Hey, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. That's great. Good to hear. Um, yeah, I just wanted to call about uh, something that really impressed me with the Oilers, but. Uh, First, just mentioning like that trade seems to be really the trade movement the others did recently seems to be pretty positive and uh, working out for them. And uh, the team seems to be seems to be good for the team vibe. And uh, games like you see tonight, things like the Oilers kind of look like a little bit like one of those 19, early 1980 Oilers teams, you know, just need a little bit more and then before they really start winning, you know. Anyways, um, the one thing I was telling about was um, when uh, Schultz was traded there, um, I, I just wanted to kind of Mark about remark about Hall and one of the other players kind of criticized the uh, fans. You remember? Uh, oh. Which sorry, who Hall? Yeah, Hall and one of the other players kind of just. Uh, oh, they were they were, but when Schultz was being booed. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I thought that was really commendable on their part. I think that was um, really like showed their like a lot of class because they're just sticking up for their buddy like that, and uh, you know just like showing a good um, being like good role models like totally pro thing you know like really classy on their part just to like talk stick up and like because there's a lot of trash talk like in my, in my opinion like i just kept hearing it maybe it's just because i'm surrounded by um that you know those people but i hear a lot of that kind of talk and and sometimes it seemed like it was too much it's bad for the team so it was good to uh it was good to see a little bit of that you know balancing out with uh with their uh, with their talking to the media like that so, Mike, which you mentioned some of the the moves on the deadline. They traded for Maroon and they got Party and Cracknell uh, off waivers. All three of those guys impress you, or is there one particularly that that stands out? Well, I think Maroon is um, look at is kind of on people's minds, a lot of people's minds right now, and he seems to be uh, the guy that's kind of standing out in that deal. Yeah, yeah, he what was good think? tonight. Well, I mean, and he's he's the most established, or not most established, but he's the he's the best player yes. out of those three. So yeah, he yeah. He, he did what he even without the goal. I thought he forechecked. He was nasty when he had to be without being stupid, you know. And yeah. and and, he, and, he, and you know, Shirelli and McClellan used that phrase over top of the puck. Like when he's down low, he's got his hips and shoulders right over that puck. And he's like, yeah. if you if you want to take this away from me, you are going yeah. to have to uproot me, basically. Yeah. And he's a pretty big tree to uproot. Yeah, he's a, he's a smart, strong player, and so he should be good for the team. Hopefully, that he keeps uh, he keeps helping us out. Mike, thanks for calling. And right now, we will hear from the man who made his Oilers debut tonight, Patrick Maroon. Was that about as good as a debut for the Oilers as you were expecting? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I haven't scored in a while, so that always feels good to get the monkey off your back. Um, like I said, I was just trying to come in here and play my game and play physical, protect pucks, take pucks to the net and go to the net and you know, that's that's my job and you know, protect my teammates. You know, I got the physical and I'll protect my teammates too. And so I think that being said, I just gotta be big and strong and you know, we got a young team in here with a lot of skill and, and I think with me, Cassian and Hendy and 
uh, parts there, I think, to protect the guys and make them play a little more and play harder. And so it's, it's good. Was this one a gritty, hard-fought, maybe hard win for you guys? Yeah, we got away from it uh, for a little bit there. I thought, you know, in the second period, the first 10 minutes, we couldn't even get the puck out of our zone. But once we played north-south hockey and got pucks deep and played physical and, and uh, cycled them down low, we were pretty good. So when you score in your first game, I guess that's just the script. It's what every player hopes for, this first game. I guess so. Uh, you know, it's always nice to get the first one with the with the new team. You know, I'm excited. You know, my linemates did a heck of a job, you know, on the forecheck. And, you know, just parts found me with the tip, and I try to whack away. You say you whacked away two or three times. Yeah, third time's a charm, I guess. Back-to-back wins in the short trip so far. You're going to play some pretty good hockey in this trip. How nice is this to get two wins here to start this road trip? Yeah, it's really good. All the guys are playing really good hockey as, you know, as of late, you know. They played a really good, strong game in Buffalo, and you know our goaltender's been outstanding in the two games I've been watching. So, you know that's always a plus when your goalie's on top of it. And the PK was really good tonight. Defense, you know, defense wins wins games, and I thought our defense was really good. We kept it on the outside. Wanted to get the jump from the start tonight. Was that the key against this team to kind of get on them early? Well, absolutely. I think uh, the coach harps on an early start, getting pucks deep, getting a couple hits, and let them know we're going to be there all night, and I thought we did a good job of that. All right, that's Patrick Maroon, who's also the subject, um, along with others, for our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. Yeah, some line juggling tonight that we saw, and we, we knew it was going to come, and uh, Cassian took a silly pelly at the end of one of the periods, and uh, the, the line had not been jumping as much lately. And for a little while, you had Maroon up on the first line, and uh, I believe he was. That was the, they were all together when they scored the goal. So Maroon getting a little bit of gravy, playing with some top six forwards, and that's what you're going to see as the season goes on. They want to see if his big body is capable of playing with some of the faster skilled players and give them a little, a uh, little space out there on the ice. And tonight he was very, very good. Penalty killing, he mentioned the Oilers go 7-for-7 on the PK with a shorthanded goal, so that was key. The Oilers only had one power play. They did not score on it. The Oilers 0-for-17 on the power play over their last eight games, but they have won three in a row as we bring in Raymond on the line. Raymond, thank you for calling. Hi, how are you? We're doing great. That's good, that's good. Sorry. Uh, Anyways, I just wanted to kind of comment. I didn't get to watch tonight's game, but it sounds like an awesome one to uh, be a part of if you got to see it. But I just wanted to say with the news and everything, it sounds like uh, we're headed in the right direction. I remember maybe a few calls, uh, like a few games ago when somebody called in and said that, um, you know, they didn't even think the Oilers were going to win like 10 games or so. Uh, You know, I'd I'd like to believe that we are going to see some more positive games in the next little while here and hopefully it'll continue on in the future. Thanks Raymond. Well they gotta keep working hard and mm-hmm. they gotta keep getting the goaltending. I mean it's still it's still a it's still a flawed team and, and yep. uh, I mean we could we could pick this part of game things about this game apart if we wanted to, but they they did enough to win tonight in terms of the finish, in terms of the goaltending and in terms of the, the penalty kill. Well the biggest thing in the fans are starting to appreciate is they compete. You know, it, w- there are more skilled teams out there. There's teams that uh, are better top to bottom. There's teams with uh, stronger goaltending, much stronger defense, all around the league. But And you can understand that as a fan, and you appreciate that. But what you won't don't understand is when the lack of compete, the lack of battle, the lack of the commitment to detail, those are unacceptable. You can't control 
your talent. You can control your work ethic. And in the last four or five games, the Oilers' work ethic has been very, very good. The Oilers get four. That means a $200 donation, courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world, to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. They give 50 bucks for every Oilers goal all season long. All right, we got Robin on the line. Robin, thanks for waiting. You're on with Robin Reed. How are you guys? Good, Robin. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Good. Thank you for taking my call. I just had a couple questions. Uh, is this maroon fella... Like what? Why would Anaheim give up on on this guy? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, and it's a it's a valid question. Uh, they acquired a couple guys at the trade deadline, Brandon Peary and Jamie McGinn, um, that they thought were going to score more than Maroon, so they had too many wingers, so they traded him. And I also think they're looking down the road for some of the RFAs they're going to have to pay in the summer um so you know he makes two million dollars a year not a lot but you know a little extra there that won't be on their cap for the next two years and quite frankly Patrick Maroon was not playing as well especially in terms of production this season as he had the previous two years so I I think that all added up he's 27 I mean I I wouldn't classify him as over the hill I, I don't think this is a a sure thing for the Edmonton Oilers but I think Shirelli saw it as a low risk acquisition in terms of what he gave up and low cost in terms of the player salary right okay how many more years of, uh, of is he under contract for? two two years two million dollars a year so okay. th- so after this year t- two more seasons all right the other thing i was wondering about the other about a week or 10 days ago there was face-off trivia name three oilers that had scored five goals in a game okay and I believe there's a fourth Oiler. No, uh, somebody asked me about this. Selivanov did not score five goals in a game. I thought he got five one night and made somebody a million dollars on the Safeway score and win. All the research I did had him getting never never getting five. Oh, okay, okay. But if you if you right. if you got the box score, send it in to me. No, I don't. I just I just uh, live, sleep, breathe, and eat Oilers, right? So okay. Thanks, Robin. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. Uh, and right, Trent from up north reminding me that the Ducks actually retain 25% of Maroon's contract. Thanks for that, uh, Trent. Uh, another texter, do you think Talbot will play again tomorrow? Um, that's a tough one. I mean, the easy answer is no, that they were going to play LB. He's going to get some games while he's up here, and this is the easiest way to do it. But right now, Tom McClellan, despite where the Oilers are in the standings, is trying to win hockey games. He's trying to uh, instill the confidence in his team. And right now, the way Cam Talbot is playing, every game he starts, the Oilers have a great opportunity to win a hockey game. The easy answer is to put LB in, but it would not shock me that if we see Cam Talbot again tomorrow night. They win 4 nothing tonight over Philadelphia. Drew is on the line. Drew, thanks for calling. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'd just like to make two points if I can. One, I'd like to talk about uh, Cassian, uh, just the fact that he was on the second line and the referees made this call where the player squeezed his stick in between his arm and got a hooking call out of it somehow. Then he got put down on the third or fourth line, and it didn't matter to him. He still played hard. He didn't pout. Uh, I think... uh, He's a he's a proud player. 
Well, okay, on that, it, it is a penalty. He, I, he's for the defender or the the flyer well, the to maybe yeah the, for the flyer to have to be able to put his arm over the stick the stick would have had to been in that area and yeah, the so referees are calling been called two penalties then so uh, anyways but yeah, it, to on, me it's on, a penalty but the, but Cassian I mean he, a player shouldn't pout I love if, the fact that he smiled and looked at the referee yeah. and said come on really yeah. the guy <laughs> squeezed my stick. no no that and all the time right it, it does i mean the, just, the other one is like on this hall uh on the hall goal that could have probably put him out for the year uh the 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 way the guy took his legs out while he's trying to do something miraculous uh i would like to see the referees at least if there's a goal uh if the goal goes in the net these guys seem to think it's okay to cross check the guy afterwards or rough him up after the goal scored and then they never call a penalty on that play there on Taylor Hall's goal yeah that was definitely a penalty well it was it was a it was a not after the goal he slashed him trying yeah, to take his but, feet out but I'm just saying just in the same sense it really doesn't matter to these guys when when there's a goal scored or when there's a goal about to be scored they'll do anything desperate right so I'm really tired of the cheap shots that come after a goal scored and cross checks, any kind of roughing. The goal, the whistle's blown. Why do why do they get to cross check somebody afterwards? It should be a penalty, even though the play's been called dead. Uh, well, yeah, it should be. If if there is a violation after a goal that's that's scored, it sh- it should absolutely be called. I think sometimes it's bang bang or something in front, but yeah, if you're going after a guy well after a goal, that that should for sure be a penalty. All right, Steve, Chris, and Alex, stay on hold. You're also going to hear from the Oilers head coach Todd McClellan and the winning goaltender tonight, getting the shutout, Cam Talbot, four nothing Edmonton over Philly. Terry Peranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. You're listening to the Terry Peranich Team Overtime Open Line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's Stride who walks it in top of the right circle. Seven straight 40-point years, but he turns it over. And Latestu was able to bump it up the left-hand side. Less than eight to play now. Latestu a steal. One-timer score! Lori Korpakoski has broken a 32-game drought. And a shorthanded goal will seal the deal for the Edmonton Oilers. Four nothing! Korpakoski's first goal since he got the hat trick against the Rangers on December 11th in the 7-5 win tonight. A little shorthanded insurance as the Oilers knock off the Philadelphia Flyers for zip. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. The Oilers 25-34-7. This was game 66. They have won more games this season than they did in 82 games last year. We have Steve on line four. Steve, how's it going? Good, good. Reed, Rob, good show. Thank you. Haven't talked to you for a while, but I wanted to give a shout-out tonight to uh, Shirelli. He's finally put some tools in the toolbox that the coach can use. And tonight, I tell you, if they can play like this in the new arena, I don't care what the price of the tickets are. Um, The one thing I noticed tonight that I wanted to uh, just comment on, and then I'll hang up and listen to your commentary, is um, by putting some mature guys in the lineup, and you've already had some callers that have articulated the, the new additions, but the coach didn't have to juggle his lines as much. He's not pushing guys up because of injury into lines that they shouldn't be on, and we saw an excellent result tonight. 
You're absolutely right. The, the pro- one of the problems for teams that are in the bottom of the standings, is, is, amongst other things, is a lack of depth. And we've seen when an Oiler gets hurt, and it's one of their top six, they don't have a player that's suitable of playing top six minutes. And guys are putting into situations where they're not going to have success, whether it be going into the power play, moving up into top six. Guys on the fourth line now having to center the third line, which takes away from that. Peter Shirelli's gone out and got a few more bodies, and it's and he's not done. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done this summer, but he's gotten more bodies for Peter Shirelli. So now that if someone is not playing well, well, all right, we're going to put him back in line. We're going to move this guy up and see if he can give us a spark. That's something that the Oilers not have not had for a long time, not just this season, but for a long time, depth throughout their lineup. Well, and and he's added, and again, these these two guys are, are UFAs in the summer. They may not stick around. They're 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 depth players. They're like Adam Cracknell and Adam Party. Mm-hmm. Cracknell's a fourth liner. Party might even be a seventh defenseman on most teams yep. in the league. But the thing about those guys is that they're at least they're reliable players. You, you know what Cracknell's going to do. You know what Party's going to do. And then at least McClellan feels safe putting them out there in the right situation. Yeah, and they're a little ornery to play against. They, right. they play a hard game. And it's, it's one thing to have a, a depth player that you can put out on the ice and it's a soft minute he's playing. It's another, guy, another thing to have a guy that goes out there and when he comes off the ice, the other team knew he was out there. He may, he may not be able, he's not going to score you a goal, he's not going to do something magical, but at least you knew he was out there. And the Oilers have had too many players that were unnoticeable in the bottom six over the last few years. Cam Talbot gets the shutout tonight. He makes 35 saves. Something about this Flyers team that brings out the best in you, three shutouts and five career games against them? I don't know what it is, but um, I felt pretty comfortable again tonight. And uh, PK did a heck of a job in front of me, and it was uh, a big two points for this group tonight. When they're laying out blocking shots like that for you, how much easier does that make your job? Uh, so much. I mean, when they're willing to put their bodies in those uh, shooting lanes and block those uh, the shots with not much padding, I mean, that says a lot about them and, and a lot about their willingness to win. So uh, when we're doing the right things like that, um, it's not too many games that we're going to come out uh, not on top. Two wins so far. Just talk about the trips so far, how you guys have played, and the two wins here back-to-back. Yeah, we've been playing a lot, a lot grittier as a team. I think we're not afraid to get in those uh, those tough areas and, and really get a good forecheck going. And I think that's creating a lot of uh, a lot more offense for us. And we're stopping around the net and willing to bang in those second and third chances like you saw tonight. So I think that's a, a big indication of how we've been playing as of late. And hopefully we can keep that rolling moving forward. Was there something that your your PK guys were able to do differently, maybe against their power play, to just kind of keep them to the outside and limit chances? Yeah, I think they were doing a really good job of being patient and letting them kind of work the puck around and not getting themselves out of lanes. Uh, tonight we did a great job of being in lanes, like you said earlier, and uh, um, they did a good job of uh, keeping them on the outside, like you said, and uh, really collapsing in the house when they had to get a puck through and clearing up those rebounds for me. So uh, they did a heck of a good job. Can't say enough of good things about them tonight. Scoring with Korpikasi, got a stick on that one in the second player. You went through the defense. Oh yeah, Corpy got a got a huge chunk of that. Just enough for me to get back there, and yeah, just enough to get back there and uh, and make the saving stop it on the line. But yeah, Corpy made a heck of a play there. And but I mean, they also hit one of the two or three posts tonight too. So I think they came pretty close a few times. He can, and he gets the puck through. He he's very slippery at that blue line. So I think. We did a, a better job as the game wore on, but right off the bat, I don't know if we realized just how good he was back there. Uh, I had one this year so far, but um, I mean, it feels good every time you get it. But I mean, the, the win is the most important thing. Shutout is just a, 
a bonus. How about the gritty way the guys played very gritty and very defensive and sort of dominated most of the game? Yeah. Um, we, like I said before, we were a more gritty group in the past four or five games here. It started in LA against a, a big team there, and we've been carrying that workload or work ethic moving forward. So uh, it's the kind of game that we've been looking to play all year round and play consistently, and I think we're starting to do that now. All right, so again, Talbot in his last five games, a 966 save percentage. 4 nothing Oilers over Flyers. we got a couple minutes for Chris from Phoenix. Chris, good to hear from you again. Hey man, uh, great great game tonight. Uh, it's nice to see the Oilers uh, playing like this. Uh, uh, the gritty, I, I love watch. I love seeing that uh, right off the bat uh, with McDavid again, almost trying to score, almost almost scoring again. Uh, it's, it's, he's only going to get better. It, it's kind of scary to, to to imagine where this kid's going to be in a few years. But uh, like I said, nice to see the Oilers gritty. Um, you know, little chirping after the, the the whistle, before the whistle, stuff like that. You like to see that stuff. And then uh, does party uh, does party make uh, Griba expendable for one of my questions? And then uh, how long before we see Maroon on the power play? Put him in front of the net since he is big. Um, another question I had is uh, with the NHL tr- trying to uh, create more goal scoring, uh, is it possible to to maybe you know how uh, teams like will uh, it'll end the the period will end on a power play? And then they'll start the next period, and they drop the puck at center ice. Is it possible for them to drop the puck in the uh, in the offensive zone since they're on the power play? Okay, I and don't. I don't think they would do that rule change. I think they'd stick with tradition. Maroon on in front of the net, Rob. I believe Maroon eventually will be on your power play in front of the net. Um, and and I, I wouldn't. I I'd, I'd put him on your first power play in front of the net and move Dry Settle to the second power play and let him uh, be the brain of the power play and, uh, up on the high boards. Right now, Yakupov is the guy that's. On the offside boards, I think it'd be better if a dry sidle was there. He's a better playmaker. And then you have a net presence in Maroon on one, and you put a net presence of a, a Cassian on the other if you want. I don't think Party makes Griba expendable. They are both UFAs. Griba's a little bit younger, and he was acquired by Shirelli in a trade with the summer, and he's a right-handed shot. Um, but I guess if anything, Party. At least now maybe there's an option. If one of them wants to stay as a 6-7 guy, as opposed to maybe if Griba walked away and you didn't have Party, you'd be looking a little harder for a guy like that. Well, with Party, he's, he's auditioning. Yeah. And he's auditioning for the 6-7 spot for the Edmonton Oilers going forward next year. And they're going to watch him very closely, and they're going to take a look at the film. They're going to see what Griba did in the past, and then decide which one they feel fits better. I don't believe both of them will be here, but one of them will. Oilers win 4 nothing over the Flyers. Alex, you are our next caller. You're also going to hear from Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Terry Peranich, Real Estate Team, Overtime Open Line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Peranich Team, Overtime Open Line. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Raffle gets it in deep. The Oilers immediately reverse, and it's Eberle. McDavid has a step. He hits for the net, turns, and shoots a save. Rebound, Yakupov punches it home. 1-0 Edmonton. Yakupov, just his second goal in 17 games, created by the dynamic speed and aggressive drive to the hole from Connor McDavid. 1-0 Oilers. Yakupov from McDavid at 11-20. 
Well, that would turn out to be the game winner. Yakupov, sixth of the season in the first period from McDavid and Eberle. The Oilers go on to win 4 nothing. Hall in the second period at 14-22, unassisted on a breakaway. Not long after, at 16-11, Maroon, his fifth from Party and Davidson, and then shorthanded at 11-59 of the third, Korpakoski, his seventh from Letestu. 4 nothing. Oilers win over the Flyers. Shots were 35-31 for Philly. Cam Talbot, second shutout of the season, third career shutout against Philadelphia. That's kind of an interesting stat. Zach Cassian winds up with 20 minutes in penalties. He's now only three behind Eric Griba for the team lead. How about that? You're going to hear from Todd McClellan in a couple of minutes, but first we go to Alex on the phone lines. Alex, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. All right. I just wanted to... I know everyone else pretty much has said this, but uh, what a great pickup Maroon was. Because uh, when's the last time we've had a guy that can just plant his feet right in the net, right in front of the net and score a goal, a garbage goal like that? And I loved the uh, the greediness and the toughness, and uh, Cassian going after the guy that I don't, I don't know who it was, but who hit Hall? Gudis, yeah, yeah. I just love seeing that. It's something I haven't seen with with this team in quite a while. This great. Yeah, well, you need a little bit of that, Alex. And and to me, it, it's it's not even about fighting. I mean, I know after some of the losses, people have called in and be like, well, why didn't they just attack the other team? I don't know. To me, like, to me, and a, a previous caller made a good point where, you know, in other games, the star players might get picked on a little bit. And, uh, you know, people would call in and say, well, why didn't... Uh, why didn't somebody stand up for Taylor Hall? And Rob and I would say, well, there was nobody on the ice who was going to do it. I mean, you don't want Hall fighting, right? You don't. I mean, he's going to get in scrums, but you don't necessarily want him doing too much of that. And and Justin Schultz wasn't going to do it, and guys like that. So you need a you need some of those guys. I, I agree. And and the way I look at it is, Alex, I don't think. And you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I I don't think that. You want a hockey player who goes on the ice thinking, oh, I'm going to get involved in a scrum, or I'm going to start a fight. But you want hockey players who, because of how they play, sometimes scrums and fights are going to happen. And I think Maroon and Cassian are like that. They're going to play hard. They're going to forecheck. They're going to body check. And sometimes that's going to lead to you know, inflamed situations or get under the other team's skin. And I, I think that's the approach those players have. And, and I do think that fills a void that had been there in the Oilers lineup. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like, you don't want a guy that's going to go out there and start a stupid scrum or whatever and take a penalty. But if, like, something needs to happen or, you know, something happens, he, you have guys that aren't scared to get in things like that. Yeah, well, and like I mentioned earlier, Maroon's potential to forecheck and and be a puck protection type guy and maybe grind down other teams' defensemen. I, I hope that turns out to be valuable. And I mean, you saw him tonight. He is a big man. Like I know I saw him play for the Ducks, but like he takes up some space out there. Yeah. Anything else, buddy? Uh, nope. Just uh, thanks for your time. All right. Thanks for calling, Alex. 780-496-0063. Back to Philadelphia. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Todd, the players around the locker room talked about how you've developed as a team a little bit of a grittier style since that L.A. game. Are you pleased with maybe a shift in mentality and style that your team's been playing as of late? Well, we've we've learned by trial and error that the cute, uh, fancy homestand that we tried to play wasn't going to do it. And... Um, you know we're we're a proud group, so we 
took upon ourselves to be a, a scrappy, um, relentless, tenacious type team. And, and we're not always that yet. Um, I thought in the second period it got away from us. We wanted to be a little bit cute again. Uh, but we're proving that doesn't work for this team. So um, good penalty kill, lots of shot blocking, a lot of sacrifice. Uh, that all falls into that, uh, that team first scrappy mentality uh, tonight and got the job done. Do the new additions to the roster, like Patrick Maroon and Party and, um, and Cracknell, bring to the lineup and help you shift more towards being that gritty? Well, they're they're big, big, strong, heavy bodies that can hold on to pucks, and and uh, you know when when the scrums occur in the corners, they're in the middle of it and they're protecting pucks there. They go to the net. Um, they help the overall team mentality and and the ability to adopt that. So. Uh, they've been good additions so far, and we hope that uh, they'll continue to grow with our team and, and with that team attitude. Connor gets rolling early in the game, like with that speed, and, he sco- and you score a goal. Is that obviously jumpstarts you, and the other team is saying, oh man, this is, we're already behind in the game, and Connor was really dominant. Yeah, he was, and, and you know, we double, triple shifted him a little bit because he was going real well. And you know, unfortunately for some of those. Um, higher-end skill players on our team, they, uh, they were taken out of the game when, when we took the 14 minutes in penalties and probably 15 minutes because they had six on five for about a minute. So a quarter of the night we spent penalty killing and uh, if you weren't a penalty killer, it was a real tough night to get the engine going uh, uh, after sitting there for, uh, for long periods. Korpikoski finally scored a goal. Yeah, Korpi was a nice goal. Uh, tested a real good job. Korpi found some open ice. We knew they had to... Uh, had to gamble a little bit la- that late in the game, so um, give them credit for creating that and uh, a hell of a shot. With the PK, was it something that you saw you could take advantage of, or was it just your guys little just outwilling their power? Um, a little bit of both. We, I thought we were very well prepared for their power play. Um, you know, they have some tendencies that are, uh, uh, are are very similar goal after goal, and they're they're very good at it. I think they're one of the, the best power plays in the league, in my opinion. But um, having being been around some of their players, um, you know, with the World Championships and stuff, you you begin to see tendencies and and you know what they uh, they would prefer to do. So you try and take away outlets and options. And um, I thought our group did a tremendous job. And perhaps our best penalty killer was the the goaltender. He also got a little bit of help from some posts as well. Started him on the third line, but you moved him up because Zach was taking penalties, or you just wanted to see what he looked. No, like? I I thought uh, you know that we needed to get back onto. Um, you know, get Corpy on the left side, get Cassian on the right side, kind of get back to our strong sides, uh, the way the game was going along the boards, and um, that allowed that to happen. Um, now you may say, well, Patty Maroon played on his off wing. Uh, we were prepared to look at him there. I thought he had legs. That was going to be the concern uh, of ours because he had skated for four days. All right, that's head coach Todd McClellan. Oilers beating Philly 4 nothing tonight. The Oilers have won 3 in a row, Cam Talbot, a 35-save shutout. Other action tonight, Anaheim taking it to Arizona. It's 5-1 for the Ducks in the third. Also in the third, the Avalanche holding a 3-2 lead over the Panthers. The Canucks lead the Sharks 2-0 halfway through the game. It is L.A. out in front of Montreal 2-0 late in the first period. The Sabres beat the Flames 6-3. The Oilers now a point ahead of Calgary. The Flames do have two games in hand. The uh, Winnipeg Jets lost 
in uh, overtime to the New York Islanders. The uh, Jets and the Oilers now both with 57 points, but the Jets have three games in hand, so the Oilers uh, second last in the West. One point ahead of Calgary, tied with the Jets, but the Jets have uh, the tiebreaker. The Wild beat the Maple Leafs 2-1. Tampa Bay wins 4-1 in Ottawa. The Penguins on home ice 4-1 over the Rangers. Boston beating Chicago tonight 4-2, and in overtime, New Jersey knocking off Nashville 5-4. Taylor Hall had a goal tonight on a breakaway. Yeah, just a breakaway. I mean, a little bit of a mix-up on their part. and um, You know, as an offensive player, you love seeing that the puck squeak out. And, um, if, you know, if I can get breakaways like that every game, it's a fun game to play. So um, going in there, I just made a move, and uh, luckily I scored. It was, uh, you know, the aftermath was worth it. You the board's hard, but I think you slashed it right on the leg. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll have to see it again for the reason why I fell, but uh, um, I'm not any worse for wear. Uh, my shoulder's fine, and uh, like I said, sometimes you have to go in with speed, and I think that's why the move worked. Taylor, Cam talked about you guys as the last couple games have played a more grittier style out there. Um, can you just speak to that? Yeah, it's been a fun brand of, uh, of hockey for us to play. Um, it all started in that L.A. game. Um, we went up against a really tough opponent. We tried to play like them, and uh, it's been working out for us. Uh, lots of grit. I think Peter's added some guys to our lineup that are bigger, stronger, and uh, it's allowing us to play a, a heavier game, so it's been fun. This was a real gritty uh, match also, pretty pretty high intense, a lot of pushing and shoving. A couple Seems of- like every time we play Philly, there's something, something happens. I mean, the first time this year it was Connor going down, and tonight was a pretty spirited affair, so... We're going to have to get used to playing games like that. Um, I think if, if we're going to keep playing gritty and heavy, uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff after the whistle, and um, that's just the way hockey is sometimes. All right, and that's the way it was tonight. Some feistiness to this one. The Oilers were right in there, and they get all the goals. 4 nothing over Philly. Zach texting in. He says, so pumped to get my jersey changed from Schultz to Maroon. I had to stop wearing it. Yes, Maroon uh, wearing Schultz's old number 19 this evening. He gets his first as an Oiler. Hall, Yakupov, and Korpakoski also score. We are going to be back on the air tomorrow afternoon, 3.30 p.m. for the face-off show. The game in Columbus will start at 5. The Oilers have won three straight. Our studio producer this evening, Matthew Panashik. The executive producer of Oilers Hockey on 630 Chet is Sid Smith. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening.